Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And later on VFO60.com, this is Fanatic Radio, America's premier sports music program. I'm your host, Mike Gardner, and join with me as always, partner in crime and fellow Islamic Africa classmate, yeah, the notorious Ben Florence. Whoa! It is April 25th. Yes. And it's a good day outside. Rain's on the way. So then it won't be a good day outside. Start off as a good day. Good day for uh, sports in the district as... We have a great show for you on hand. We will uh, talk with MLS 2013 MLS Rookie of the Year and Colorado Rapids midfielder Dylan Powers, American University field hockey and lacrosse goalie Ashley DeLacera. Yes. And a good friend of mine, Ethan Jenkins, who? Member of the AU club baseball team and my protege for broadcasting on the Patriot League Network. I thought I was your protege. AU Athletics will stop by the studio to talk to us about Baseball, AU Athletics, and the Pine Tar issue. Yeah. Well, we begin today with D.C. Sports. Yeah. Rightfully so, uh, even though last week we mentioned the Capitals were not in the playoffs. No, they're not, thankfully. Uh, two, uh, three other stories in the uh, the district have surfaced, one being uh, RG3 will drive the pace car this weekend at the Richmond NASCAR Sprint Cup race on Saturday so night. So excited. Courtesy of Dale Earnhardt Jr., and his love of the Redskins. But uh, the first story I definitely want to talk about is the Wizards. Washington Wizards up 2-0 in the NBA playoffs over the Chicago Bulls, over Zach Powell's Chicago Bulls, with a uh, with a surprising uh, two road wins. You're damn right. And now tonight is the Game 3, which will be on ESPN. And we'll get you those times in just a minute. But, Flo, surprising that... The Washington Wizards, a mix of youth and experienced players of Martin Gortat and Nene. Martin Gortat. Yeah, and Nene have managed to find a way to weather the defensive physical storm of a Derrick Rose-less Chicago Bulls, steal two games on the road, and now have a chance to come back to the district with a 2-0 lead the first time since 1982. That's right. And, well, you know, what's interesting, you've been watching the Chicago Bulls. Their defense has been very good. But their offenses, especially down the stretch, they have not been able to get the buckets they've needed. And while for the Wizards, their offense has been pretty good, even against the very strong defensive attack of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, you have John Wall, Bradley Beal, very talented, young, kind of precocious backcourt but the front court, especially to get Nene healthy, that's been big for them because he can do a bunch of things down low. He got Gordon has been solid. Trevor Booker, that's right. And uh, Serafin have done a nice job off the bench. The great Kevin Serafin, a uh, good friend of the show. And uh, the Wizards are, while the games have been relatively tight and they've been competitive, Washington's clearly been the better team. They've got a good shot. I mean, there were some people that thought they could be a sleeper to go to the Eastern Conference Finals because one of this series will take on Atlanta or Indiana with Atlanta winning last night. They're up 2-1. Um, and with, But a lot of people also thought the Bulls with their strong defense, their veteran, their su- vastly superior coaching, Bob, uh, top them to go against uh, your boy uh, Randy Whitman. 
But uh, Washington looks like if they keep playing like they are, they're they're going to sweep the Bulls out. Yeah, they're, they're on pace. Who would have thought that? that uh, the, uh, the overtime win was great. That's right. <laughs> the, the fact that they were down 10, I believe, with three, four or three minutes left. And surprisingly, Bradley Beal, Trevor Ariza, another name we failed to mention, yes. uh, can shoot. That's right. This is a Wizards team that, in years past that I've seen them, have been injury-prone, as when John Wall was injured a few uh, months ago, I think last year, actually. And now everyone's healthy. They look, they, they honestly, they look great, because this is a Chicago Bulls team that is very lost without Derrick Rose. Yes. But, and, and even without Luol Deng now, I mean, yep. they've been, they were able to manage with uh, Joe Canoa kind of playing a little point center. DJ Augustine's been very good. Taj Gibson's been great down low. Taj Gibson. They're like a bunch of bruisers. Very, exactly. very physical but team. They, they, now they don't have anybody that can create their own shot. Yeah. And you're really seeing that now. When they've needed to get buckets, they're kind of, you know, like... They're lost. They're, a little, they're more than a little lost. Much like the Wizards are sometimes on offense. Well, the Wizards, with them, their problem is just inconsistency. Yeah, and it's funny because you mentioned Randy Whitman, who I'm surprised they've actually made it this far to win two games. Watching that team play, they really have no idea what they're doing. It's sort of they go down, and then it gets to about 10, 8 seconds left on the shot clock, and then they go into panic mode, which they can't do in the second round. That's right. But shout-out to the Wizards. The game is tonight, ESPN. They're almost a little bit like the old uh, club team. Well, we just shoot threes. They would, they would at least they would at least drive to the and they drive. play with a shot clock. And they drive they drive to the basket a lot when they don't get the threes. Oh, of course, in the game game two, he had a nay draining like an eighteen footer with no with no in his face. So of course, Nene, Nene is the I think he's the only player on that team with playoff experience. Um, Unless Gortat went to the playoffs, but of course, no, not with the Suns. Nene was on those great Nuggets teams that never won, but right. always had the talent to win. We were actually talking about that the other day when we saw that guy at the old school Allen Iverson jersey. That's right. Of uh, the George Collier years. But shout out to the Wizards. They played a night. Surprised that the, uh, there's been a lot of parody in the NBA playoffs. We've had an eight seed Atlanta up two games to one at Indiana. My Mavs stole a game against the uh the that? They look awesome. They could easily be up 2-0 if they didn't just blow a fourth quarter lead. Are you surprised, Flo, at the, uh, the lower seeds? Memphis is well up on Oklahoma City. The lower seeds are... Uh, Flexing their muscles here in the first round of the NBA playoffs. The one thing I'm really surprised with, because I thought Atlanta, with how awful the Pacers were down the stretch, I thought Indiana would or uh, Atlanta would give the Pacers a run for the money. They're doing even more than that. I thought that was going to go six games. I actually I came really close to picking Memphis over Oklahoma City because of how strong defensively they are and how great they've played since uh, Marcus All came back off the injury pine a few months ago. But the thing I'm really surprised with is the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. They have looked, your Dallas Mavericks, have looked tremendous offensively against the Spurs. and they, it, help, it helps when they, when they play them multiple times. Well, yeah, but even then, they got swept by them this year. Actually, last night, before the, uh, the, I think the win two nights ago, yeah. the Spurs had won 10 straight against them. Yeah. And it's surprising. Monta Ellis has all of a sudden decided to show up. Jackson, right. Jackson playing great. It's it's been uh, interesting because this is a Mavericks team that had the talent, but of course in a very stacked Western Conference, of course they could never win. A team that surprised me the most and has, other than the Wizards, is uh, the Portland Trailblazers. Mm. Of course, they were, earlier this year they were one of the best in the West, but they're up two zero on a Houston Rockets team that I said could go pretty deep in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They've been consistent with Marcus Aldridge, someone who every time he gets hurt. There, people throw in the towel and say, oh, he's going to retire. He's been in the league for a long time because he was one of those two-and-dones mm-hmm. uh, out of college at, out of Texas. And he had some bad injuries, and now he comes back, and then he's got Damian Lillard, Nicholas Batoon, an interesting cast under a first-year head coach that's done a really good job. That's right. And, uh, the Trailblazers' offense, I mean, and you got to, when you're talking about the Trailblazers thus far, LaMarcus Aldridge has been playing like a man on a mission. He has been unbelievable offensively through these first two games. He has just been uh, unstoppable. And for the Rockets, who at the four spot, they don't have a lot of size. And Terrence Jones is kind of more of a tweener, 3-4. Yeah, that's Chandler Parsons played some Parsons of that. Played a uh, Omar Asics just played some of it. Yeah, they played – this year I was a little frustrated with them because they didn't play Howard and Asik together all that much. 
And the, and even though everyone assumes they can't play together, because and you don't necessarily always want to do it, because neither of them are any good for the free throw line. But still, I mean, they and they did a little bit on the game on what was it Tuesday? And but Portland's offense have been great all year, and they've all just been great. Lillard's looked really good, and they've been their offense is just looking very strong, and they're getting. Uh, Houston, all they can have for, they're playing tonight at uh, 10.30 on ESPN. Yeah, sure, matter. Wizards game, 8 p.m. Eastern, ESPN. Yep. Flo and I will be partying at the Verizon Center. Uh, yeah. Out front by the Green Turtle. Absolutely. We love the Green Turtle. So, uh, great great excitement in the NBA. Uh, in, so, another thing with, interesting with the NBA, with the Wizards, is uh, your boy, Colin Coward, uh, oh, refuses God. to apologize for the comments. Comments way back. This was a... Uh, Originally on the uh, the DC Sports Blog, I want to give a shout out to Dan Steinberg, by the way. But he wrote saying that you know, Colin Coward has ripped John Wall in the past, mainly for just doing the Dougie his rookie season. And his first game as a wizard, he did the Dougie before the game. It's interesting because Coward says that's the first time he did it. He actually did it in college when he was at Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, who the hell can. And besides, he's like, I'm never going to apologize for it. I still think it's yeah, so the never, thing. Never apologize. I'm like, dude, the thing happened. Three and a half years ago, I'm in 2010. Uh, who cares? Yeah, that, then, he, then he bashed uh, a columnist that basically called out. Coward. Exactly. That's that's where this came from. He's like, well, uh, the Wizards made the playoffs. Woohoo! They, I mean, the Knicks almost made the playoffs. Like, first off, the Wizards got in more comfortably than the Knicks did. Oh, they, were five seed. they were five seed. Not and not only that. Washington hasn't been in the playoffs in years. No matter what you say about that, how bad the East has been, and it's not been good, they're still making the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Yeah, first time in, in, but, I mean, in years. I mean, Coward's, Coward's an ass. Yeah, your, your boy has a big mouth. He's a dude. Needless to say, uh, the Wizards play. And so, uh, still early in the playoffs, uh, who, are the, who are the teams? We mentioned the Mavericks. We mentioned the... Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. Any other teams prime for an upset? In the uh, I think, uh, would you consider Brooklyn beating Toronto as an upset? Because I think a lot of people, I went back and very underseeded, though. Well, I mean, this seed. isn't like seeding. I mean, they, they lost the tiebreaker to um, to Washington. So it could easily be five or six seed. Yeah, so I think that the Nets... Brooklyn's a better team, though. I, I think a lot of people thought... I mean, because Toronto's been great this year. They've been very good, particularly after the Rudy Gay trade, which that all kind of opened things up for the Raptors. And um, so, for me, it was a tough series pick. I've seen a lot of people pick Brooklyn. They've got much more experience, uh, significantly more experience. The Toronto team's got no experience. But this is a good Toronto team, and Toronto won game two on uh, Tuesday night in a very good game. They're playing tonight in Brooklyn at 7 o'clock on ESPN2. All right, we'll talk some NBA towards the end of the show. Interesting stories at the Philadelphia 76ers and the Commish. Mm. Final DC Sports Talk. The, uh, the Washington Nationals, I had the privilege of going to the game on Tuesday night against the Los Angeles An- Angels of Anaheim. Uh, first off, I want to say congrats to Albert Pujols. Yes, as he became the first player in Major League Baseball history. That's something you rarely see nowadays. He was the first player ever to hit 4.99 in his 500th career home run in the same day, in like three innings. It was great because both of them were just absolute jacks in the upper deck. That's right, and good for him because we actually talked on this show a few episodes ago when uh, we were celebrating the anniversary of Hank Aaron's 715th home run. Who's the next player that could be a uh, prime? And I had no idea Pujols was getting close to 500 home runs. But to DC Sports, uh, our good friend Bryce Harper was uh, benched the other day. Yeah, on Saturday. For lack of hustle. And ironically, I'm holding, of course, this is radio, so you can't, you can't see it, but I'm holding no. the program from the game, because apparently the Nationals do three games in a, in a program. And he's on the cover, and the title by his picture says nothing but hustle so that is ironic what do you make of all this bryce harper news um i think that now there are a lot of uh there's a lot of criticism uh for matt williams uh, rookie manager matt williams on his decision to bench him i did not love the decision 
but I know why he made it. There was a lot of criticism about it. It was a little dribbler to the pitcher. And Harper's been nursing a groin injury. So in that aspect, I think maybe a little unfair. But also, if you're uh, if you're going to be if you're going to play, you should be able to give a hundred percent. Absolutely, especially, especially at his age. He's our age. He's like our age. Yeah, maybe younger. Even if it's a little dribble to the mound and he like kind of dived off. What if that throw gets by the first baseman? You know, I'm tired of. I hate when uh, people criticize. People for setting examples out of or wanting the star players to set examples. We don't want star our coaches to coddle star players. They got to set the example because everyone's got their eyes on them. So I'm a little mixed. I'm not as necessarily opposed to it as other people. I don't love it because he was nursing a groin injury, but I do get where Matt Williams was coming from. That has to be fixed soon though because we're still in April. Yes, and uh, baseball season's still alive and well. Right. And this is a Nationals team that the past few times I've seen them play, they've looked pretty bad. They've looked pretty bad. They've looked, they've looked awful. Uh, our, good, our roommate Ian Lutz saw them lose 8-0. The game I went to go see, I think they lost 6-2. And if your best player, one of your youngest players, the face of the franchise is being benched for lack of hustle. Mm-hmm. Not an injury, you know, not performance-enhancing drugs, not off-the-field issues. Hustle. That's embarrassing, considering you're paying the big bucks yeah. for not running 90 feet, which is basically what the uh, the reason was for his benching uh, the last time he uh, rode the pine. So hopefully that gets fixed. Also, shout out, this is the anniversary on this day five years ago. Uh, Majestic made the greatest blunder in jersey history, forgetting the O on the Nationals jersey. So Washington took the field as the Washington Natinals. That's just in case you're ever wondering why Mike always refers to him as the Natinals. Five-year five year anniversary of that. Apparently, that was not the, actually, it's not the first mistake they made. They also misspelled San Francisco in the Giants uniforms. They swapped the final C and S. Ooh. So it was uh, San Francisco, which is bad. Basically, uh, teaching the kids out there, always double and triple check your work, regardless what profession you're in. Mm-hmm. That being said, we'll move from D.C. sports to soccer news as we sat down with uh, Dylan Powers, 2013 MLS Rookie of the Year, current Colorado Rapids midfielder for our weekly conversation. What are your thoughts, being an MLS player, about the rapid expansion as Atlanta got yet a new MLS club? Um, yeah, I think uh, you know, MLS has had a, 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 quite a few expansions now since the last, um, just over this year, really, and um, I think it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be in the league, to come into the league and uh, you know see all this expansion. I think it's a good sign. And I think that uh, so far that they've had a lot of success in um, most of the markets that they've expanded to. So you know you're always a little weary about you know expanding to uh, a market and not working. But I think um, MLS does its homework and they've they've had some pretty successful expansion teams. How is uh, playing in the league? Your first full season under your belt, the start of a new season. What's it like to be the uh, little that professional athlete lifestyle? It has uh, certainly has ups and downs, just like any job. Uh, you know, it's really um, it's kind of a weird concept when you finally start getting paid to play soccer. Uh, when you've just kind of done it your whole life and really loved it, you're like, wow, I'm actually getting paid to do this. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, Get a lot of a lot of spare time in the, in the afternoons to kind of you know find some new hobbies to do, and uh, you know that's nice. It's always um, important to kind of get off your feet and take care of your body because that's the uh, you know that's what you use for work is your is your your body, so it's your job. So you really have to take care of yourself um, because that's what you're getting paid to do. How's Colorado playing in a high altitude, let alone uh, the full MLS season? I think, um, you know, it's really a, um, an advantage for us playing here. Um, you know, teams come in, they try to come in a day or two before, but really that doesn't do anything to help you acclimate to this to this height. And, you know, I think we're really um, tough to play against at home because of that. You know, you see in the second half, especially teams start – you really start dying out. And to add to that, I think on the road, when we, especially after a long homestand, I can really feel that, you know, you can kind of feel an extra push, like you can run for days. 
at the lower lower altitude places. So through uh, your performance on the field, what did you feel it's like to be honored as the uh, the rookie of the year last year, knowing that uh, you were one you were I guess the best newcomer to the MLS. I think um, at the time it's uh, really special. Uh, you know, you go into the year. I mean, pretty much every rookie goes in not knowing, you know, what's going to happen. I didn't. I had no idea. People often ask me, "Did you expect all the success?" And the answer is really, no. You just, you know, hope for an opportunity, and that's what I was given. And I think, you know, I, I was able to make the most of it. So it was uh, pretty special for me to get that award, and I think it's given me a lot of confidence going into this year. Uh, for your for the the overall scheme of the MLS, how uh, cool does it feel? I guess from a from a, a human element's perspective, knowing that you're taking the field with guys uh, going up against guys like Thierry Henry, Tim Cahill, Landon Donovan, stars that you've seen that you that you and you and I have seen growing up. And being able to play against them, what does that feel? Yeah, it's really interesting, especially when you're playing against, you know, the likes of Henri and uh, like Tim Cahill, some of these guys who, you know, seem so untouchable in in Europe. Um, not not too long ago, um, it's just kind of a surreal experience, um, but it's really exciting too. It's you know, it's cool to have guys like Michael Bradley and Clint Dempsey also coming back, you know, U.S. stars that, um, you know, the best of the best in the U.S. Um, playing in this league, I think. Um, it's a it's a good sign to, to where the league is at and where it's going. Is it a good sign that the MLS is bringing back its sort of homegrown talent despite uh, if some would play in Europe and maybe play against competition they'll see in World Cup play? Or is it a good thing that our stars are coming home. You know, I think situation by situation, um, I mean, for for the league, it's great. And for uh, the players in the league, it's great to have these guys back and in, in competing in our league and, um, you know, really adding a lot of credibility to the league. Um, you know, for, their, for the World Cup and for their personal game, um, you know, I think they're getting quality games and tough games. I mean, um, MLS is no walk in the park by any means. It's every single game. There's so much parity in the league that every single game is um, is tough. Anybody can win on any given day. And uh, so they're getting challenging games. And, you know, maybe uh, in their situations in Europe, they weren't even getting games. So I think getting games before the World Cup is, is really important, and that's what they have here. What's the hardest part about playing in the MLS? Uh, I think for me, uh, the adjustment last year was just kind of the the length of the season. Is it's you go from playing around three months in college, three or four months season to essentially a ten month, nine and a half month season, um, including preseason. So. Um, you know, the length of the season and to bring the consistency to practice into games every single day is, is something that's not easy um, because if you don't, you're going to get you know, exposed or you're going to struggle. Also, uh, what is it like to score your first ever goal? I, I remember watching it on, on TV, seeing you key off from about 25 yards out. What, is it, what does it feel like to actually score and celebrate on an MLS field? Oh, man, it's uh, you know, that goal in particular was you know crazy goal. I mean, I felt like right when I hit it, I, it felt like slow motion. It was just headed towards the top corner, and it just it was a again it was a surreal experience. It was like I, you know something nothing I'd ever experienced before. And then you kind of come to a little bit and realize it's real. And um, I don't know. It's just uh, all the worst. It's kind of it's a special moment though that I'll, I'll never forget those images. How's the team looked so far this year? Uh, last uh, knowing that uh, Oscar ironically left for FC Dallas, who is who you and the uh, Rapids and FC Dallas are so far the best two teams in the West. What adjustments have uh, you as a player made for a new coaching style 
for your team this year? Um, personally, I don't think I've had to adjust my style. I think um, Pablo, uh, our head coach, has been, um, you know, he's been great in the fact that he wants us to play, um, you know, play freely, play, um, you know, the style of play that that each and each player is capable of, and um, he's, you know, he's a coach that he, he's not scared. He's not a uh, one to get on you if you make mistakes. You know, he says mistakes will come. Don't worry about making them. You're gonna make them. But uh, so just play free, play um, and play like yourself. And I think that um, allows guys to be really confident in what they do and. Uh, and uh, and go out there with a really positive um, performance. Uh, Another new addition for this year is a very good friend of yours. Uh, What is it like having Grant Vanekastiel on your team? Because you guys have known each other since way back the days of Andromeda and Plano. Uh, Went to the same college. And now how does it feel to have him continuing as your teammate on a professional scale? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Who could have ever predicted this? Is um, it's kind of it was kind of I don't know I couldn't believe it when it happened. I thought you know there's 19 other teams that could have picked him and or 18 other teams and of course he came to Colorado and uh, it's been fun. I mean you've played with your best friend for you know your whole your whole career so far. I mean no one can complain about that. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been fun. I think uh, you know I've tried to lend him that first year of knowledge that I've had, just little tips here and there to not necessarily on the field because we play different positions and um, but just like you know how things go, you know, in the the system. All right, I'll get you out of here on this question. How soon will it be till we see you make your first senior national team cap for the U.S. Um, you know, it's hard to tell. I think this World Cup is obviously a little out of my uh, my sights, but um, I think I'm, I'm knocking on the door, and uh, I hope to be there shortly. Dylan Powers, Colorado Rapids midfielder and MLS Rookie of the Year. Thanks again for joining us here on Fanatic Radio. Thanks for having me. So we'll send it to break. When we come back, Ashley Dosev of American University of Fialaki and Lacrosse. That's right. And Ethan Jenkins will be in the studio. You're listening to Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com. It's Fanatic Radio. It's as good as it gets. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio is America's premier sports music program. It's an essential part of our society, like hot dogs and Cadillacs. With Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insight from the wide world of sports. He should just retire so we could dip him in bronze and ship him to the Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we ever play on the show is most found in R&D. And always striving for perfection. We're climbing the ladder to success, escalator style. Yes! See for yourself. Check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio.
Phenomenal day, you know, it's not just about me, but did it Boston strong, Meb strong. I was gonna give it everything that I had for the people, and I have the four victims on my on my bib number. And I just said, you know, they let me go. I said, just keep driving, give me the energy. I said, God, give me the strength to get there. Like I was coming close at the end, at the same time, I just said, I gotta finish. Give me the spirit, give me the spirit, give me their uh, their energy, and I, it, he did. You know, before the bomb exploded last year, I wanted I, t- I text Ryan Hall. I said, this is we gotta do it next year, and he said, yes, we're gonna do it. And the bomb happened, and I'm every day since. I said, I want to come back and win it. And when the Red Tops won it and put the trophy right there, I said, I want to win as a runner for Boston. And you know what? It's beyond words. I mean, the Royal Reef, the trophy. But beyond that, it's just winning for the people. It's just an amazing day and beyond words. But, you know, I'm so lucky to be the champion, not for myself, but I have a very, very strong support team on Team Meb and with the coaching from my wife and my brother and the sponsors, 11 of them strong. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing. And you know what? 
I'm blessed to be an American, and God bless our Boston. This is a special day on Pitcher's Day, and, you know, it happens in God's time. I tried, I tried, but a better day than this day. Ned Kafelski, the winner of the 2014 Boston Marathon back on Monday. This is Fanatic Radio, BotTalkRadio.com's premier sports music program. I got Ben Florence. Ethan Jingles will join us in the studio Hello. in just a few minutes. We'll have Ashley Dosser on in just a few moments. But a uh, big shout-out to Meb, uh, first American since 1983 to win the Boston Marathon. Apparently, NBC was saying he's the first American to win the New York, Boston, and medal, marathons in medal yeah, at the marathon, uh, at the marathon uh, in the Olympics, and which he did in 2004 in Athens. But we'll continue with our guests as Ashley Dosser, women's field hockey goalie and surprisingly lacrosse goalie, and she tells us more about it. Last time you were on the show, uh, it was preseason for field hockey, or it was like early season, but we so, had already had one of our games. Yeah, so then uh, after that, you end up winning yes. the uh, Patriot League Championship, going to the NCAA tournament. Then we can talk about how that feels. Your final year of uh, collegiate field hockey, the whole experience, the ride winning the Patriot League, or taking back the Patriot League? Uh, winning the Patriot League and coming back from two years without it was very accomplishing. We, as seniors, felt like it was on us to bring it back, and so doing it our senior year was huge and momentous, like uh, monumentous for us as seniors, and to come out with that win and leaving a legacy here that we are not only taking back Patriot League, because that's something we had never done, we'd never never lost it, so taking it back was a brand new feeling for us, and then taking us, ourselves to the Sweet 16 was even bigger, and uh, the team coming in has plans to take the to take AUFH even further, so we're looking forward to that. What are the things that you took away from the field hockey program here? Um, family and loyalty and so many life skills that you don't find as a regular student or even with other teams. Our team was very close-knit. It's not your teammates on the field with you, it's your sisters. It's, um, I don't know, they just taught me a lot about how to interact with other people and understanding different emotions and different feelings and different personalities, how to get along with each person, and really adapting to each other and loving everyone for who they are. So most students, when they fin- most student athletes, when their season's done, it's, it's, as seniors, it's, it's done. You, on the other hand, did something completely different. What happened to you after the uh, the NCAA tournament? Well, after the tournament, it was um, definitely depressing, but immediately afterwards, I started training to go to Germany with the national indoor team. And then as soon as I got back from Germany, I went in to see Steve and Sarah and ran into the lacrosse coaches, and they decided they would pick me up for a season, and give me a shot at Division One lacrosse. <laughs> so that was extremely fun and exciting. We'll get to lacrosse in a minute, but um, how did you get involved with the national team? Um, the national team was something that my club team in high school had set me on a path for. Uh, they sent me and a few of my teammates to a tryout when we were sophomores in high school. and We didn't make it that year, but it just showed us that it was there and available to us. So when I came to AU, it was something I decided to try out for again, and I had made it four years ago, so it's fitting that I have always had the national indoor team while I was here at AU, and they paired up nicely, and then as soon as outdoor ended, I got to be part of indoor again, and it's just a um, really cool, it's almost like a different sport than in, than outdoor, and it's just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So you've been a part of it all four years? Yes. How cool is that? It's awesome <laughs> to say that not only in college I was playing for a Division One field hockey team, but also on the national indoor field hockey team, and we were we uh, won our first tournament ever on an international scale while I was with them, and that was groundbreaking. So it was a lot of good um, accomplishments while I was in college playing field hockey. So. What was the event you just got back from? Uh, I just got back from the Pan American Indoor. T- uh, cup, which was the qualifier for the World Cup in January of 2015. Are you going to the World Cup? Not going to the World <laughs> Cup. <laughs> we came in third, so that was really good for us. We're not usually seen as a an, an, an international threat in indoor, 
but I think we really stepped up and showed ourselves and showed them that the U.S. is a team that you can't just set aside and you can't look be like look past on the schedule. Um, obviously, we wanted to finish first, if not in the top two. Uh, we realized that about halfway through the tournament, the way we were seeded, we would not be able to qualify for the World Cup, but we certainly didn't just sit down and let Uruguay take us. We decided we're going to go for the medal and bring home at least a bronze medal to the U.S., so that was big. Our men's team was also there competing. They came in second, so that was huge for them as well. How did the indoor game differ? Um, by much or by little? It's very different. The way I explain it to people is it's almost a different sport. We still play with a stick and a ball, but you only have four field players and a goalkeeper. Uh, you're playing on a basketball court and with boards on each side so you can hit the ball off of the board. There's different rules and can't lift the ball other than a shot on cage, can't hit it. Um, if you saw an indoor game versus an outdoor game, which I encourage everyone to go do, you can find it at usafieldhockey.com or on the Pan Am site. There's several highlight videos and it's a lot of fun to watch that you can actually see that it is a completely different sport. So you as a goalie have to be more alert indoor? Yes, definitely. You get to be a lot more aggressive, a lot more touches on the ball, so that's always fun. She's actually De La Sera, American University Field Hockey and Lacrosse on Fanac Radio. Congrats on that, by the way. Thank so you. now, I guess January, February is when you found out about lacrosse. How did yeah, all how did all that sure. how did all that come about? That's very interesting <laughs> the way you described it. Um, I there had been whispers about it throughout the season, but it was one of the things where I was in field hockey season. That was my goal. That was my focus. We had a goal that we needed me, and I wasn't taking my eyes off of it until we met it. And so after that season had ended, there were still more whispers, and people were coming up to me and saying, oh, hey, like I hear lacrosse is trying to get you to play with them. I was like, well, they haven't talked to me yet, but, you know, I'll keep it in the back of my mind. Um, but so they were just, just rumors at first? Yeah, there were rumors, and girls, like, putting planting ideas in other people's heads. And uh, I just got back from Germany, went in to say hi to Steve and Sarah, probably the first week of classes uh, this semester, and... I ran into Coach Emma and Coach Colleen, and they were like, so what are you doing this semester? And um, I've honestly always wanted to play lacrosse. It was my dream to play Division One lacrosse back when I was in middle school and high school. And I actually saw myself playing lacrosse more than field hockey until my sophomore year of high school. So having this opportunity was great, and really. So had you, ever, had you ever played, when was the last time you played lacrosse for this year? Uh, my senior year of high school, when I was I was not even playing for my high school team at the time, um, because I had decided to play field hockey full time at that point. Me and my field hockey friends joined a scrub league, and we were all very good lacrosse players based on our area, and we all grew up with a lacrosse stick in our hand. So it wasn't like rec league; it was pretty intense scrub league for us, but nonetheless, it was. A scrub league. <laughs> I had also played in a British tournament. Uh, they had come and done a little tour around the U.S. and they selected our team to play actually. So I did get to play the Brits. Other than that, I haven't played in four years. <laughs> so how was your first day? My first day was good. We were inside. We didn't have too many shots. It was a lot more footwork and hand-eye coordination, which are things that cross over pretty easily. Uh, the first day outside was Definitely a challenge. Uh, it wasn't just throwing and moving my feet. It was having to see the ball coming out of a net versus off of a stick and uh, trying to move my stick in the right direction. And when you've got two hands on your stick versus having two free hands in field hockey, it's very different. It's a very different seeing the ball coming out of the stick versus the uh, coming out of the net versus the stick. And it was. It was a challenge. <laughs> Are there any similarities from being a field hockey goalie to a lacrosse goalie? Because it's weird, um, field hockey, you like stick your stick in the pad. Yeah. I guess the similarities are essentially mentality-wise. Um, can't be scared to get hit with the ball. Uh, there were a few days where I would just wanted to drop my stick and be like, I will step in front of the ball, but I can't move this thing right now. And So that was my go-to was you still just need to stop the ball. And you need to have that mentality that you're going to do whatever it takes to step in front of the ball and stop it. Um, definitely different skill as far as moving the net, where the ball's coming from, 
different footwork, but still similar footwork. So I was actually better with the low shots because once they came to my feet, all I had to do was step to it, and that would take care of that. And almost more like field hockey when they would shoot at my feet. What was your funniest moment this year of the season? My funniest moment. Favorite moment? One of the two. Um, my favorite moment was probably when I finally figured out how to move the lacrosse stick from the right side of my body to the left. We have been working on that for a long time, and I finally stepped up and made a pretty big save with it in one of our games, and that showed me that I was like making progress, and it was very exciting for me, actually. My coaches all knew that that's what I'd been working on, so they were excited for me as well. Um, funniest is probably I stand behind the cage, and I'm constantly trying to watch the ball. Since I'm not there that often, I'm still trying to pick up on uh, the skills and seeing the ball. So as I'm behind the cage, I tend to like stick random parts of my body at the ball and just stop it as if I was in the cage. And uh, the team thinks it's kind of funny. <laughs> I look a little ridiculous doing it, but it's helped and just did, part of the mentality. <laughs> did the other players sort of help you as the season went on, other coaches as well? Yeah, definitely. They were all very welcoming. It could have gone either way with me yeah. coming in halfway through the season and not being able to be there every day or for every game. But they were all really welcoming, really nice, and just accepted me as one of their teammates right off the bat and never um, blamed me for missing practice or missing a game when they knew I had to be either at work or at an indoor event. So they've been awesome about that, and I really felt like part of the team. And uh, last game of the season, you guys won. You actually being one of the other uh, heroes coming up with big saves towards the end. How does it feel to close out not only uh, your your field hockey career with a Patriot League championship, but also a win in lacrosse? That was huge. <laughs> After having a not-so-great season, it really felt like things started to click during that game. I was in an athlete's mind, like, you always wait for that moment for things to click or to be in the zone. And I felt like that was one of those games for me where things just finally clicked in and I was really in the zone for that game. I just wish it had come earlier in the season. But it was good to end on that note and end on a high note. It's not very often, and it's unfortunate that we can say this, but we ended our season on a win, which never happens. Would you do it all again? Yes, I would. I'd probably try and cut back hours at work, and I would hopefully find out sooner so I can start practicing earlier with them. But all in all, I'm really glad I did it, and I would definitely try and, try and do it again. Last, what does Ashley does Sarah go from here in terms of continuing your field hockey career or lacrosse your new gig? <laughs> um, right now, it's still field hockey is my primary goal. Um, this morning, I was actually out on the field and uh, in the gym training to try out for the high-performance squad where from the high-performance squad is how you get selected for the national outdoor team. So right now that's where my uh, sight line is, is for the national team. Uh, beyond that, I'm still going to stick with the national indoor team. And if things don't work out for me this summer, I'll go from there. <laughs> Maybe lacrosse will be where I <laughs> end up in the end. Sarah, American University, Patriot League champion in field hockey and a letterman in women's lacrosse. One of the very rare occurrences we see of a dual athlete, especially at this school, where the last time that happened was, I guess, the track team, because some of the field hockey girls last year ran at some track meets. Some of the volleyball girls and basketball girls did as well. But in terms of a committed double sport, it was, I think, Aaron Coach, who played soccer, and she also ran like track full-time in the spring. So very cool. Glad for her to join the show. Once again, you can check out the podcast on iTunes to listen to her interview, also the Dylan Powers interview. We are now joined by a very special guest, a good friend of mine, and a forever member of AU Athletics, Ethan Jenkins. Welcome to Fanatic Radio in studio. Thank you. It's great to be here, Mike. Good to guys. Hey, because you can skip ahead. Right. Make sure to yeah, talk. Talking, yeah, talking to the mic. Talking to the mic, man. How are you? Don't be bashful. I'm really good. Yeah, it's a great Friday. Last day class. What is it? You don't have class on Monday. Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> All right. So uh, one of the reasons we brought you in here is uh, your extensive baseball knowledge. Absolutely. Even as a member of the AU men's club baseball team, 
What posi- yeah, what position do you play? Play a little bit of right field, pitch. Excellent. Play some first base. What was your what's your favorite position? First base. First baseman, like uh like like Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. And Bill Buckner. Let's say that. Uh, Bill Buckner. A little more Bill Buckner left. Oh jeez. What, kind of, what kind of pitches do you throw when you get on the hill? Little uh two seamer, four seamer, curve, slider. Those are your really? go- those are your go those are your go to. Yeah. What's All right. Your, what's your strikeout pitch? The curveball, the 12-6. Oh, you got a 12-6? Yeah. A little Barry Zito action? Absolutely. What are your thoughts on the whole pine tar issue? Uh, it was just announced that uh, Flo's boy from the Yankees, Pineda, was suspended 10 games for the uh, the pine tar incident. As a pitcher and a baseball aficionado, Mr. Jenkins, what are your thoughts? Well, what should the MLB do? Here's the thing about pine tar, right, is that most uh, – there are tons of pitchers in the MLB that use pine tar. They just aren't as – I mean, the reason Farrell didn't necessarily come out the first game was, first off, it wasn't so obvious of where the pine tar was. Second mm-hmm. off, with Lester on the mound, you never really know. Maybe Lester is using pine tar himself. But a lot of people use it, but not like, you know, the rules are the rules. And if you're going to have pine tar on your neck, and like, come on, he, he basically got caught the first time. I mean, everybody knew about mm-hmm. it, but... Yeah, my thoughts on pine tar, I mean, it's cheating. It's a foreign substance, and it's in the rules, so. Do I think the, I mean, it, I think that, I mean, the, the rule is flawed. Yeah. You have a rosin bag exactly. on the ground in order to get a better grip on the ball, right? Uh-huh. When it's, with different temperatures, the rosin bag does nothing for you, so you need to get a better grip on the ball. If the rosin bag's there for a better grip on the ball, and the rosin bag is doing nothing, you should be allowed to use something like pine tar. But the rules are the rules, and he got caught, so he has to serve this time. It's not like uh, the classic Gaylord Perry who had Vaseline and had all all kinds of stuff where he was ultimately accused of throwing a a legal spitball. Yeah, I mean, either get rid of the rosin bag or change the rule. Would you you use it in club baseball? Yeah, if I could find pine tar. I don't know (laughs) if you'd find pine tar. Yeah, where do you find it? Yeah, where do that's one of the big questions. Where do some of these athletes get a hold of this? Of course, Ray Lewis managed to find, you know, deer deer antler stuff. And he's a Super Bowl champion. And an ESPN awful ESPN analyst. He is not awful. He is awful. He is not. You thought he was going to be off on the get-go and you never gave him a chance. He's going to be at the draft. He's going to be working the draft for ESPN. Oh, no. Just a reminder, the draft is in two weeks. Yes. So we will not have our draft show next week. Uh, thoughts, uh, thoughts on your first season with the uh, the club team? How'd they do? How was the uh, the boys in blue look? Chris Grisano still uh, captaining the ship? Chris Grisano in his last year as president and manager of the club. He's, really? Last year as manager? His last year, he's, uh, the duties are now on Matt Patton, who is a freshman. The great um, Matt Patton. Who will be, yeah, the great Matt Patton, who will be... <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't want to do it. You didn't want to manage. I, I did not. I have a lot of responsibilities next year in the fall. With AU Athletics is going to be... It's going to be a lot, but, yeah, so let's see. First semester, uh, we had a sweep of Howard. We got swept by University of Maryland, who finished. They were the runners-up in the Club Baseball World Series last year. They were a really good team, and we split uh, a series with York College. And then this year, uh, this semester has been really different. A lot of players have had to leave for various reasons, and we've lost our, uh, our first five. Which has been tough. I mean, we're we're hanging in there. We have uh, a few new guys, but you know, pitching. We it, the weather has really uh, screwed us over a little bit. You know, with snow, we had to cancel our first six games, snow and rain. So we haven't had a lot of time to get out there and throw. But you know, it's been good. We're looking to recruit a little bit for next year. Recruit some freshmen because it's really important to build the club. We're really young. Have tons of freshmen this year. So how many? For the next season, I think we have about. Eight or nine. So. All right, so uh, in terms of baseball, how long have you been playing baseball? I've been playing baseball since the the fourth grade. Really? Yeah. Always a first baseman? Always a first baseman. Yeah. Mm. Why don't you play first base on the team? Um, we, need, we need people to play the outfield. <laughs> we, have play, we have tons of first basemen on the club team. We have about like five people that can play first base. So they throw me in the outfield. Do you enjoy outfield? Yeah, I like the outfield. I mean, I play right. Ball doesn't really get hit the right that often. Because oh. we have right-handed pitchers, right-handed batters, and most of the time they hit it to left. But I played some left yesterday. Or Yeah, no, on Wednesday night. We had a doubleheader Wednesday night. And got to play some left-right. Mm. I pitched an inning. Good time, yeah. 
It's freezing, but it was a good time. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, are you excited for AU Athletics next year? Very excited. Really looking forward to it. Are you excited because he's leaving, and you get to take advantage of that? I'm not excited that Gardner's leaving. I will, you know. Oh. Well, let's be, let's be, you be a little selfish here. I'm going to miss working with my man. Yeah, you know? but you're, ta- you're taking advantage. Well, so you have, uh, you're taking with, uh, gigs. You have a uh, big responsibility. Big responsibility. Indeed. This is this is this is great. I'm passing. I'm essentially passing the torch to Ethan Jenkins. There you go. Via That's Fanatic what Radio. <laughs> Best. Uh, I'll give you two two advices of games to work. Okay. Uh, try to work as much a much senior day games as you can because for a Patriot League we don't. Other than the Patriot League tournament, senior day is probably the most intense. That's where you'll get the best games, unless we're like upsetting a ranked team. Mm-hmm. Because it's the last game of the season, a lot of these a lot of these players, student athletes, probably never play their sport, take it to the next level. And usually, we're doing so well in the Patriot League, everyone is gunning for us. And the second thing is try to work a championship game if we host. I work them all. That's the that's the spirit. <laughs> best uh, best sport you're ready to uh, to uh, broadcast next year. I'm looking forward to soccer. I didn't have a chance to do soccer this year. I came on a little late, but soccer should be fun. Should be nice out, but also basketball. Gonna take over a little bit of the play-by-play <laughs> duties after spending a season under you, Mr. Gardner. Right. <laughs> and it's very, it's very cool to follow very a lot good. of these. Very, yeah, look, looking forward, cool. uh, Dan Lagnado and I, the best broadcast team this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> Should be pretty fun. Two of that. Uh, we have about two minutes left of the show. Uh, quick shout out, Michael Phelps. He actually won his first event back after coming out of retirement. So the uh, the human fish is back in the pool. After a two-year hiatus and ready to come out guns a-blazing to try to win more gold medals after the London Olympics. So it's funny. He takes two months off and comes back and is still the best in the world. Uh, Commissioner Adam Silver of the NBA, he said the possibility of changing the age limit to 20 years, which essentially means you have to be a sophomore. Interesting. So we'll see how that develops. That means, uh, Ethan, you cannot go into the NBA draft as of today. I was planning on Under this new three rule. years in college, but <laughs> sure, I don't remember the last player that went three years in college. Also, a funny story uh, from your neck of the woods, Ethan. The Seventy Sixers owner Joshua Harris called the nineteen win season success. A success, <laughs> absolutely. Which is absolutely laughable. Flo, what do you make of all that? Would you ever call a nineteen win season a success? Well, uh, here's the thing, though. They weren't playing to do anything this year, and now they're guaranteeing themselves a high pick in the NBA draft. This was essentially a rebuilding. Obviously, it looks ridiculous considering it's you know a, a, a terrible year that you're considering great, and it also essentially glorifies tanking. That's why our good friends Mike Friel called it Tankadelphia. But I think, relatively speaking, what we thought the team was going to do this year, which was going to be intensely awful, get a high draft pick, and what it thought to be a pretty good NBA draft class. I mean, you know, you got to you got to play the game, right? Exactly. Um, everyone that uh, was on the show today, uh, Dylan Powers, uh, the Colorado Rapids. Ashley Dosera of American University Field Hockey and Lacrosse. Ethan Jenkins, the future voice, future golden voice of American University Athletics. Remember, you can check out the podcast on iTunes, on blogtalkradio.com, and on Beatflow 360. For Ben Florence, Ethan Jenkins, I'm Mike Gardner saying so long. We'll see you next week. You're listening to Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh. 